It's the payoff pitch with Quentin Pelzell and Luke Bagoni on VIC Radio Ithaca. It is the payoff pitch. Quentin Pelzell, Luke Bagoni with you on a Mother's Day Sunday morning. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday morning. We got a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. We got to recap the week. We got some baseball, got some basketball, got some um, NFL. We didn't even recap the draft since we've all been in the studio. So we got a lot to get into. 902 will take you all the way up till 10 a.m. Undercover with Emily Adams and Laura Lagarde will come your way then. But we got a lot to get into. Luke, how are you doing on this Sunday morning? I'm doing incredibly well, Quentin. Happy to be back, as I was not able to be on last week's show. We had some uh, schedule conflicts where yeah. Quentin and I couldn't really couldn't really match up with times, but happy to be back. This is our last show of the semester. Pretty sad, but you know I feel like we've done well so far. I think we've done pretty well. It is the last show, and... I mean, we are, even though we're seniors technically, we will be back in the fall, so we're going to be super seniors, and there's a chance that we'll probably have another show. So it's not like our last show entirely, but it's the last show of the semester, so it is a little bittersweet there. Mm -hmm. But first, I do want to start with what happened this past weekend with the Mets. Now, um, if you, I know I wasn't watching the game with you, but you're definitely aware of it. So Friday night... The Mets. No, we were watching together. So we were, but you weren't in. The, you weren't watching it in the seventh inning. I think you left a little early. No, no, no. That was when I, I was playing video games. I had my eye on. Oh, it okay, you're right. You're right. Was, but we didn't watch the press conference together. Yes. Yeah, okay. We okay. Press conference. Okay. Yeah. So, in case you guys don't know, the Mets and the Diamondbacks were playing Friday night, seventh inning, right? And it was Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil supposedly got into a little bit of a scuffle. Down in the tunnel. Now, SNY did a great job showing us some camera angles and uh, just the reactions from the players on and off the dugout. So we knew that something was up. Lindor hit a two-run shot, so good for him. He hit a two-run homer to tie the game up in the bottom of the seventh inning. And even though he was pumped up running the bases, in the dugout, SNY camera caught him uh, just not being... Like, he's Mr. Smile. and. Uh He was not smiling at all. He was, like, almost kind of mad or sad for some reason. So we knew something was up. Yeah, and he had just hit a home run and kind of a he – was, he's been in a slump completely. And you thought, oh, it's a home run and a game-tying home run, two-run home run to make it 4-4 in the seventh. Comes back, and he looks so upset. Yeah. And the whole thing was just so strange because, as Quinn said, we were watching together. The at-bat before, McNeil lined out to the pitcher, got out, and I looked up, and he was sprinting to the dugout like – I, I, and I said to Q, I was like, wow, Jeff McNeil just ran to the dugout. I yeah. wonder what just happened. Then Lindor homered, and then there was all the weird stuff going on in the dugout. So it was really a strange, strange chain of events. And then it got even weirder when they went through the explanation. Yeah, the press conference was even more weird. So Anthony DeComo, who covers the Mets, I don't know if, if he is he daily news. He, he's some, so he's some major news outlet. So Anthony DeComo covers the Mets, and he actually tweeted – um, like shortly after this happened, like uh, there's a fake account of me on Twitter. Don't believe everything you see because I guess this some fake account was tweeting something just so outlandish. And literally 30 minutes later, he sees the press conference before we do, obviously, because SNY is late to you know show the press conference, whatever. Uh, and Anthony DeComo, who is actually regarded as one of the better Mets beat reporters, um, trying to find the tweet. Uh, let's see. Just find the tweet that was like actually quoting him. I don't want to like misquote, but basically he said Francisco Lindor just said that Jeff McNeil and I were discussing whether they saw a 
New York rat or a raccoon in the tunnel of the dugout. <laughs> now, if you believe that, if you believe that, I'm sorry. <laughs> like that, you, there is no way anyone on earth is going to believe that. Like, you had the entire Mets dugout down in the tunnel. You had Michael Conforto and Dominic Smith rushing off the field to go see what was going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is just crazy. So here is, so we do actually have the audio of Francisco Lindor. Now, this is Lindor right after the game explaining what the heck was happening in the dugout and uh, from his point of view or from what he said. Go, um... What exactly happened in the uh, in the tunnel there, <laughs> Steve? It was, it was funny because I told him I was like, "Hey, I'd never seen a New York rat." So we went down sprinting. I want to go see a New York rat, and he got mad at me. He's like, "No, it's not a rat. It's a raccoon." I'm like, "Hell no, man! It's a damn rat. It's a New York rat, man." I was just crazy because we were going back and forth debating if it was a rat or a raccoon. <laughs> crazy, man. That's cringe, isn't it? That was yeah. That, <laughs> That's so that, cringe. that was cringe. And it's, what 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 kind of excuse is that? It's just so out there. Like a, a raccoon in the dugout in the tunnel. What? How, uh, like how? Who even came up with that kind of story? Like I know the the comeback to that is going to be yeah. So wait, so it's so outlandish. Why do you think they're making that up? They're obviously making it up. If you watch this press conference, and I watched the entire thing, Lindor is fine. Like, he's talking about the regular questions. They ask him, you know, about the two-run shot, whatever. And then right when they ask him about what happened in the dugout or in the tunnel, his whole body gesture changes. He gets, like, this fake smile on his face, and he starts using his hands and everything like that. It's obviously a joke. Like, mm -hmm. And I don't know why they would make it much more of a big deal than what it is. There are so many other ways that you can go about uh, trying to explain what happened. I mean, uh, it's obviously just, gone to a fight. He should have just taken the Sam Donald line that he saw some ghost. That would have been that would have been, that that been better. Right? Exactly. Yeah, raccoon versus rat. But do you think we'll ever get a real answer to what happened that night? I mean, I think we kind of know what happened. So, like. Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil got into a little bit of a fight uh, or an argument. I don't know if any physical altercation happened. I would doubt it, but uh, there was definitely a shouting match or something of that sort. Uh, probably stemmed from the miscommunication in the last half inning where there was a ball hit up the middle and, you know, McNeil kind of went for the ball, kind of didn't. He didn't end up with it. Lindor actually ended up with it and McNeil was in the way of Lindor's throw. So maybe there was some miscommunication there. And I uh, don't know what was said, obviously, but it was definitely an altercation between Lindor and McNeil. Now, I just, going back to what I originally said, I just don't know why you would make this much more of a story than what it is. Like, if Lindor if Lindor gets asked that question by Steve Galbs, and he's just like, you know what, that's between me and Jeff McNeil. We talked about it. Everything is good now. Let's play baseball. That's between me and the team. That's not a that's not a huge story on the back cover mm -hmm. of uh, all the New York newspapers the next morning, right? No, not at all. Because it's you're not going to question it anymore. Because if if a reporter were to ask him again, they 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 know they'll just be shut down. Yeah, and over the course of a season, like you're going to have disagreements. You're mm -hmm. going to have you know kind of well, nothing perfect, right? Like, you're going to have in fights. A, in, a, in 
longest professional season in sports. It's 162 games. Like, right. right, exactly. And you're gonna, and then everyone was saying, no, not everyone, but like we, there were some people that were saying like, if McNeil gets into a fight with Lindor, then that means McNeil has to be traded. No, it doesn't. Like they don't have to love each other. McNeil and Lindor do not have to have the greatest player relationship ever. Okay, they can they can exist. They can exist on the same team and not necessarily like each other. They just can't hate each other. Like, they just can't hate each other. They don't have to love each other, but they can't hate each other. Well, That's it. Either way, hate each other, love each other. The Mets have still won four in a row. Yeah. Have looked like a better team over the last couple of days. And they're going for the sweep tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And last night, a nice win. Lindor, another RBI. Two back-to-back good nights from him. Yeah. Lindor's been fant- Lindor's been good in this series against the Diamondbacks. Hopefully he can play the Diamondbacks his entire season because he is just crushing the Diamondbacks right now. He's actually raised his batting average like 45 points yeah. over the past two games. This so. is good for him. He needed that He needed that little confidence boost. Yeah. And uh, Jeff McNeil, he's at the top of the lineup. And what's funny about this is that Jeff McNeil is hitting leadoff and then Lindor is hitting right behind him. So they're both they're going to be talking a lot. Um, but uh-huh. you got McNeil, you got Lindor doing pretty well. They only had four hits last night, the Mets did, and they still ended up winning the game. They got good pitching. Um, from a combination of guys. They got Tommy Hunter, who they just called up. Uh, Joey Lucchese finally got his first win with that ADRA that he has. And then <laughs> the guy who's been doing really well out of the bullpen, who I've been really imp- impressed with, is Jerry's Familia. Yeah. He's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's been good. The Mets bullpen has been a lot better, I think, than what we've seen in years past. Yeah. Just and, overall. And uh, Edwin Diaz was not available last night, and Trevor May actually came on and got the save. So big win for the Mets, 4-2. to two. And we get to Grom. We got to Grom right? today, yes. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, Degrom against the no-name starter is always is going to be one of the greatest rivalries in sports because <laughs> you got you got this guy. I don't even know what his name is. I think it's Riley. Let's see. I, so it's Jacob Degrom against Riley Smith. He doesn't even have a picture in his profile <laughs> for MLB.com. This is a guaranteed. Six innings at least, no runs given up from Riley Smith. Oh, 100%. And DeGrom, one run unearned through eight. One run unearned is going to be a drop fly ball that scores the run or a pass ball. Something just so peculiar like that. That's going to happen. Uh, The Mets are going to play terrible defense. They're not going to be able to hit with runs in scoring position. They'll be one for 17. And the run and the the one hit is just going to move the guy to third and not home. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they just play so bad. But it is good to see DeGrom back because I didn't think that we were going to see him back this early once mm-hmm. he no. got scratched from the start last week, definitely, right? Definitely, definitely nice to see him. And they win today, just keep, just keep stringing wins together because, I mean, this team's been streaky so far. And if they can just stay somewhat consistent, I think uh, the NL East, I think it's up for the taking right now. Like, I mean, it's very, very early, but... Braves, Nats, Marlins, all under 500. Phillies and Mets, the only two teams over 500 right yeah. now. It'll be interesting to see. And did you see, by the way, we're talking about the offense here, and uh, do you see that whole thing with their hitting coach? I know they fired Chili Davis, and they fired their assistant hitting coach. By the way, why do we need an assistant hitting coach? I, um, why do we even need why, why do we even need a hitting coach, honestly? I, like, they're, they're literally professional baseball players that have gone here because they know how to hit. Why do they need a hitting coach? Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand a hitting coach, assistant hitting coach. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess we're an MLB baseball team and you can afford to pay people who claim they know their stuff. It's easy to do so. But what was so weird about that was Donnie Stevenson 
this diesel, whatever, Donnie Diesel, I guess what they call him. This is fake, imaginary person that the Mets hitters made up, and they're referencing in press conferences after they get wins, after, um, you know, Pete Alonso is referencing him. Uh, this is while Chili Davis, meanwhile, is struggling, and then literally a couple of days later, he gets fired. <laughs> so then, like, you have this guy, this imaginary guy, who is now getting all the credit, and then Chili Davis gets fired two days after. Like, that's just, it's not a good look no. at all. No, not they, at they, all. They just, they pretty much got Chili Davis fired. And I think they were talking about Chili Davis getting fired like a week ago or a week before or whatever. But, I mean, it's just not a good look. And what, like, what are they doing? Like, between between Donnie Stevenson and this rat raccoon story, like, what is going on? It's a circus. It's literally a yeah, circus. It, it is York. a circus. It's mysterious. And it's funny, it's funny you you mentioned all these things with the mess. It was Colin Coward who tweeted out the other day. He was like, I don't know, I don't know why he felt the need to tweet about this. But he was like, he's talking about the St. Louis Cardinals. They've been a great franchise for the past 10, 15 years, and you hardly ever hear about them on Twitter. I log on to Twitter, and then I see the Mets, and look at their success for the last decade. He's that's, like, I was like, okay, Colin, Jesus, that's, to- that's such a that's such a uh, that's such a Colin tweet too. Yeah. Like, remember when he said like. I don't like my quarterbacks wearing backwards hats about Baker yeah, Mayfield. That's his, that's, his, <laughs> that's his like I'm a backwards. That, that tweet is my daughter dating a, a backwards hat kind of guy because then I don't want to be with a back. I don't want her to be with a backwards hat kind of guy. He right, loves, he loves that reference. Yeah, like, and, and that was, and that was a diss towards Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he hates Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield, but I do love that kind of relationship because Baker Mayfield kind of feeds into that too. Yo, but, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So that's the deal with the Mets. They're fifteen and thirteen, I believe. They've played. Like four or five less games than what everybody else has. That's because they just got every single game canceled. <laughs> and guess what? They got another off day tomorrow. So that's great, as if they need the more off days. But Jacob DeGrom going today against Riley Smith. That should be whatever the over-under is in that one. Uh, definitely take the under. If it's mm-hmm. if it's four, take the under. If it's three, take the under. If it's two, take the under. Because um, the Mets, you know, will not score any runs. And it's only up to how bad the Mets defense will be that it will determine the Diamondbacks' run scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got some Yankees now. I know we haven't really watched the Yankees that much, and we're just going to touch on them a little bit because they're the other team in town, and it's good to keep tabs on how bad they are or how good they're doing. <laughs> and they won yesterday. They beat the Nationals, which actually is pretty relevant for Mets fans because yeah. the Nationals are in the Mets division. And the yeah, Nationals... whenever, the, whenever the Yankees play an NL East opponent, I genuinely am like, who? Uh, like, it's obviously best for the Mets if the NL East team loses, but I just love seeing the Yankees lose. Oh, who doesn't love seeing the Yankees lose? Anyone that's not a Yankee fan loves to see the Yankees lose. It's kind of like, I don't, uh, is there a team that you can compare it to? Uh, Maybe the Cowboys? Like, if you're not a Cowboy fan, like, and I'm not oh, just yeah, saying I, that because you're a Cowboy fan, but, like, because the Cowboys have just so much popularity. Uh-huh. Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Yeah, pa- How about Patriots that? Is a good Patriots one. is a good one. If you're not a Patriots fan, you just like seeing the Patriots lose. Like, mm-hmm. America wins when the Patriots yeah. lose. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the Yankees. The Yankees did end up actually winning yesterday. They scored three runs in the ninth, 10th, and 11th to win the game, and they just they beat the Nationals, which is pretty good. This is the only circumstance where I'm actually cheering for the Yankees, and the Yankees lose. Uh-huh. Well, so, the Yanks won the other night. Yeah. So. Jut, you know who's been terrible? Aaron Judge. Aaron yeah. Judge is in the midst of one of these awful stretches where I think if I got up there, if it was so if it was just a blind test and you were just looking at the two box scores, two two scores, and it's me against Aaron Judge, 
I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference in my last 23 at bats, mm-hmm. in his last 23 at bats, who's who. <laughs> Seriously, like, it's not, like, I'm going to try to find it. Like, he is mm-hmm. one, I think he's like one for 23 with 17 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. It's that well, bad. That's, that's really, really poor. But John Carlos Stanton has picked up the slack. He's been what everyone thought he'd be when they traded for him originally. He's been on fire this year. First time, I think, a long time I've seen him put together a consistently strong string of games. Yeah, no, I totally agree. John Carlos Stanton has been great, and uh, he's definitely been the hottest hitter in the, Yankee, in the Yankee lineup. I know DJ's been doing all right. He had two home runs. Not last night, or it might have been. No, it was not last night, but two nights ago. He uh-huh. had two home runs. Yankees just couldn't score other than that. But uh, Giancarlo has been great. Guy who's been struggling is Glaber Torres. Um, Aaron Hicks now doesn't really even start. He has gone on the bad side of Yankee fans. They hate him. Uh, Clint Frazier has been really bad. Uh, but through all of this, through all the struggles, the Yankees do somehow um, have more wins than losses, which mm-hmm. is just crazy. 17 and 16. 17 16. And that's two games. That's her, two games above 500. Yankees are one. So we'll take it. Yeah. And but, what happened this past week, though, was two more no hitters thrown. Uh, one by John Means, who. Um, it, I am in. I am impartial too because John Means. I picked him up on my fantasy team literally the first week of the season, and I was going to drop him. And then I was like, you know what? No, this guy's actually pretty good, and I'm keeping him. And I got rewarded. John Means threw a no hitter. Congratulations to him. And uh, Wayne Miley throwing a no hitter against the Cleveland Indians. Wow. Uh, it was Wade, it was Wade Davis, right? Wade Wade Davis for what? Well, I thought it wasn't it Wade Davis who threw the no hitter against who, the Indians. Wade Miley is it Wade Miley. Wade okay. Miley. Yeah, yeah, I mixed up the names then. No, Wade Miley, but, the lefty. Yeah, yeah. So Wade Miley throwing a no hitter. You. So what is actually crazy about this are the four names. So it's not like it's Jacob Degrom throwing a no hitter or Max Scherzer throwing a no hitter or Garrett Cole throwing the no hitter. It's literally Joe Musgrove, <laughs> Carlos Rodon, John Means, and Wade Miley. I guarantee going into this year. I think the average baseball fan would probably know Joe Musgrove. Yeah, that's it. That's that's about it. Yeah, that is absolutely it. Other than that, they would have no clue who Carlos Rodon is, who Wade Miley is, and John Means are. Carlos like, Rodon was a just an awful hit by pitch away from a perfect game. I, I watched. We watched oh that game live. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I remember it, the that. Indians. Oh. He hit. It's also the Indians. <laughs> yes. So the Indians have been no hit twice this year, and they, it's not like the Indians are terrible either. They've played. They're eighteen and fourteen. They've been no hit twice. So out of their fourteen losses, they've been no hit in two of them. And they're eighteen and fourteen. Like yeah. they're one of the better teams in the MLB too, and they're getting no hit like that. That's that's crazy. But yeah, Roberto Perez, he got a lot of flack for not getting out of the way, but like literally a slider that looks like a fastball. But for some reason, it's just so freaking filthy. Just goes in and hits him in the back leg. How is he supposed to get out of the way of that? Mm-hmm. You have no clue where that pitch is going to go. It's like a wiffle ball up there. <laughs> but the four no-hitters have been thrown. And now you, you, so you have four no-hitters thrown. We're barely a month into the year. Yeah. That's got to be that's got to be some sort of record, right? It's got to be uh, a record. I don't, we don't know for sure, but that's got to be like that's like, wildly early. We go we, we go two years without seeing four no hitters. Yeah, and we, we've seen now four no hitters in a month. That's crazy. Yeah, it is wild. And like, as you said, it's coming from these guys who, quite frankly, a lot of common fans will not have heard of. And you know, they're guys that don't necessarily throw too hard. They're more like pitch cut 
pitch to contact type of guy. Yeah. Like Joe Musgrove is like a finesse guy. He has tons of movement on all of his pitches. Carlos Rodon, he came up as a fireballer, but he's not necessarily a fireballer anymore after all those injuries. And then John Means throws like 93, 94. That's nothing mm-hmm. compared to what they see today. Uh-huh. And then Wade Miley throws like 89. <laughs> like, and you have you're telling me these guys throwing no hitters. So I don't know. I don't know. I I put the question down there. Is it time for a change? Should they move the mound back? Should they lower the mound again like they did, you know, like 60 or 70 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I know they're experimenting with moving the mound back in the minor leagues. Um, That'd be interesting. I, I, yeah. I mean, at some point, the hitters are going to have to start to mount a little bit of a comeback here because it has been pretty much all pitching throughout the first month, month and a half of the season. Uh-huh. Like, and it, it's historically like that, too. So, like, hitter, the pitchers will always be ahead of the hitters early on in the season, and then the hitters will kind of catch up towards we get to the, when we get to the end, and then, uh, or by the end, um, it's more balanced. But mm-hmm. uh, this, is just, this is just bonkers that the pitchers are just so much better than the hitters right now. It really is. Yeah, truly. But... That's going to do it for the first segment here on the payoff pitch. 9.23 it is on a Sunday morning. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some NBA talk. we got the Knicks, got some Nets, and then we're going to gear up for the playoffs as well as the playoffs are about a week away. That's when the play-in starts. So still a lot to get into, a lot to talk about here on VIC Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Medical mistakes claim tens of thousands of lives every year. The healthcare community is working on it, but you can help. When you communicate with your doctor, when you ask more questions, you reduce your risk of suffering a medical mistake. Doctors can't answer if you don't ask. Help reduce your risk. Questions are the answer. Learn the 10 questions you must ask. Visit www.ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and the Ad Council. Are you feeling depressed, melancholic, experiencing a case of Sundays, blue, exhausted, emotionally drained, not excited, depressed, miserable, unhappy, dejected, or sad? Well, there's only one cure. Listening to Real Sad Lad Hours Mondays from 10 to midnight on VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and the victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We have heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Join us, DJ Cammie and DJ G-Love, in the new age of music with some self-produced bedroom pop tunes on VIC Slumber Party. We take a look at the growing music scene of DIY artists, check out the discography of new and young musicians, get some insight on the process, and jam out. Tune into VIC Slumber Party Wednesdays from 8 to 10 right here on VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter.
ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Payoff Pitch. Quentin Pelzel and Luke Bogoni here with you. And Quentin, let's get into some NBA talk for the first time in a long time. As you mentioned before the break, the NBA playoffs are coming quickly. And while it's not locked up, it pretty much is all but locked up right now for the New York Knicks to get, to get in the playoffs, to make a playoff spot. So it's, it's finally going to happen. And Are you telling the, me that the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs? The Knicks... Barring a miracle, will be in the playoffs. It really, it's actually incredible what the job that Tom Thibodeau has done, the job that Julius Randle has done uh, in his second year. Who would have thought? Like at the beginning of the year, with Obi Toppin as the uh, as the first round draft pick, everyone thought that he was going to get the majority of the playing time. Everyone wanted Julius Randle to be traded, and then here Julius Randle is putting together a potential MVP type season, carrying the Knicks through the wilderness into the playoffs, and they might get the fourth seed. They're going to be hosting oh, in the first God. round if, you know, they're actually they're a half game up on the Hawks. So um, I'm not going to count my chickens, but, I mean, they could. I mean, we're talking about, like, they could be hosting a playoff series. That's crazy. That's mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. Uh, just looking at this Knicks team, and uh, I think, you know, Tom Thibodeau has to be NBA Coach of the Year, right? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, this team was predicted to be in the dumpster within the Eastern Conference. And here they are fighting to host a playoff series, which will likely, if they end up as the 4 or 5, it could be the Hawks. It could be, it could end up being, I think it's the Heat who are up there, but probably most likely will end up being the Hawks. But, man, it's just, it's wild to just see this team. I mean, we've, we've struggled for, they've struggled for such a long time. And as fans, it's been as much of a struggle to watch this team since really 2013, and now Julius Randle has this amazing season. R.J. Barrett takes a nice step forward. Manuel quickly looks really, really good. Just an awesome year so far. Yeah, a couple days ago they played the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, and, uh, well, they got off to a pretty good start. They were winning at the half by nine points, and then the Phoenix Suns scored 34-38 and 38 in the third and fourth quarters and uh, stunned the Knicks. They ended up beating the Knicks by uh, about... Over 20 points. Uh, tough loss for the Knicks. But the Suns are the type of team that the Knicks really don't actually have, like, don't really beat. I mean, the Suns are a really good team. They're 48-19. Uh, I'm not talking about, like, the top-tier teams in the East and West. Like, the Knicks, the Knicks compete with them, but they never really beat those mm-hmm. top teams. They beat all the teams that they should. Mm-hmm. Like, every team that's lower than them, they clean up against mm-hmm. those. And that's exactly what we talked about, too. That they um, have to do, yeah. At the earlier the semester, uh, they need to beat the teams that are you know lower than them and the teams that they should beat in the app, and credit to them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the last two nights specifically, they've come out slow. And specifically the Nuggets came. They came out, and they were down big, big early. And they were just playing catch-up all game. Didn't really work out. Same with the Suns. They were down, I think it was 21-8. Came back, tied the game, actually had a lead at one point, And then the Suns just took over in the fourth quarter. That scored the next by 21 in the fourth quarter. So, you know, when you go up against those better teams, you, there's no room for error, or, or there's little room for error. You can't you can't have those streaky quarters. You can't have those bad starts. No, you you definitely can't because then, you know, you're trying to play catch-up like you said, and then once you start playing catch-up and you actually mount the comeback and you're tied with them, you've just wasted a ton of energy just trying to get back, and then you're out of gas, and then you just get blown out of the water just like they have over the past couple games. But... Um, it does look like, at least in the East, we're talking about the 76ers now. 
they look like they're probably going to have the one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty much locked up. They're three games up, and I don't know how many more games we have left in the season. It can't be much more, like probably four or five. Yeah, it would be so, a pretty... 76ers are definitely probably... They're definitely going to have the first seed in the East. And actually, the, the Bucks, if they win their next game, them and the Nets have the same exact record. And I don't know who who would have a tiebreaker there. I do not know. We will find out. Yeah, we will. We will indeed find out. Yeah. So, uh, so it'd be Nets, Bucks, or Bucks Nets, um, depending on who has the tiebreaker. Uh, and then the Knicks would be four or five. Could be yeah, um, could the be, Hawks yeah. have actually done a, had a pretty good year too. Um, the Heat have somehow, some way, nudged their way to the sixth seed. How about the Celtics too? So. The NBA is doing something kind of. Is this just a one-year thing with the play-in, or is this going to be like a like a yearly thing with the play-ins, or is it just because of COVID? I I think they want to make it like permanent. I mean, you know, if LeBron ends up in it, then probably not because you know what LeBron says goes. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And it doesn't even matter what LeBron does say because you know last year he was talking about having a play-in tournament for all the guys who. You know, we're on the bubble, like the Grizzlies and, you know, all the other teams. And now, a year later, he's against teams playing in a playing game. So, <sighs> whatever. He, we go as the wind goes, I guess, with LeBron. And the Lakers right now um, are in the seventh seat, so they would be in that play-in game. So, seven would play the... So, I know you did explain this before, mm-hmm. and I'm actually just having a little bit of trouble with it. So, the seven would play the eight, and the nine would play the ten, and then the, the winner of the seven-eight would play the one Correct? Yes, yeah, so 7-8 winner gets in, okay. is in the playoffs. Correct. And okay. then 9-10 winner plays the loser of 7-8. So right now in this case, the Lakers oh. and Warriors, let's say the let's say the Lakers win. Lakers are in the playoffs. I'm not sure as what seed, maybe a 7. I think it depends on the others. Lakers so let's just in, say the Lakers. So Lakers the, win, okay. so the Warriors move on, or not move on, but they have to play another game against the 9-10 winner. Let's, and that's Grizzly Spurs right now. So the loser of Grizzly Spurs goes home yep. for good. And okay. the winner of Grizzly Spurs will then take on the Warriors in another one game. For the right to be in the playoffs. For the, for the I think, what would be the eight seeds. So I think the winner seed. of the Lakers-Warriors gets to seven. And then the winner of that that loser between Lakers-Warriors and winner of Grizzly Spurs would get that eight. Okay. Do you like that? Do you like that format? From- I think it's pretty cool. I think it's unique. And it sets up a Lakers-Suns first round at the moment. Yeah. Which would be really, really cool. Lakers-Suns, and then it would probably be... One of the Warriors, Warriors, Grizzlies, or Spurs. That would be, like, can you imagine Steph Curry in a playoff environment? Uh, You have Draymond Green. Um, I know the Jazz are pretty good, but, like, I would probably, I would definitely watch that. Mm -hmm. The Warriors against the Jazz. Yeah. I think uh, Steph Curry, if he goes off for like a fifty burger, a sixty burger, he'll have to do it like every game because the the all he needs to do the Warriors it, are not very good. He only needs to do it four times. If he does yeah. it four times, I mean the Warriors like the Warriors actually have a pretty darn good team. Like they're they're gonna be good next year. Yeah, they they need Clay back too. Like yeah, right they're now they're they're incredible. I've I watched a couple of their games. They're really really reliable on Steph. Like it's it's Steph or nothing with them. Trust me. Like Kelly Oubre. Is, it's not been very good. No, Andrew he Wiggins. hasn't. I thought he was going to be a lot better. <laughs> I actually it's, thought he was going to be a lot better than what he has been. But, I mean, we're lining up for some really interesting matchups in the West. Nuggets, Mavs as a 4 or 5 would be a lot of fun. Clippers, Trailblazers right now, PG versus Lillard again. 
Remember we were talking about how the Mavericks were like under 500 and they might get like a lottery pick? Yeah, those are the those are just us being optimistic was, Nick fans. And that was like during the semester too, uh-huh. where like the Mavericks the Mavericks were awful. They were mm. like three or four games under 500. We were talking about them um, yielding the lottery pick to the Knicks and. Yeah, so the, here are the Mavericks, thirty nine and twenty eight now, one of the best teams in the West. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and then you look at look, let's look at the East. You got Heat, Bucks possible matchup. Heat took the Bucks out of the playoffs last year, but this is a different year, different Bucks team, and this Heat team is not as good as it was last year. Yeah, and then we could see Nets Celtics first round or Bucks Celtics. It depends who ends up as that two three, and then the Sixers will get some sort of easy matchup. As look at either the Hornets. The Wizards and maybe the Pacers, so not much excitement there. But so right now, as it stacks up, it is going to be Knicks and Hawks first round. I would probably give it to the Knicks. I would honestly say the Knicks can win that one. I think they could too. I think I think I think it'd be a seven game series. Honestly, it could be because the Hawks do have a lot of talented players. I think the Knicks could even make it like six. To be honest, I really do. I think because their defense, they can lock down Trey Young, and once they're not scoring, if the Hawks can't score, they can't defend. Well, they, the Hawks can shoot really well. That's that's the only issue. That's that's what. And the Knicks me. do a really good job on the perimeter. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good matchup for the Knicks. I do have to. I do have to agree with that. And then the next game, their next series would be against the Sixers, and the Sixers are really good. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like, I, I, I can also see that series like being a low-scoring series. And you know if the Knicks are in it, like that's like I would rather play the Sixers than the Nets. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like eventually you're gonna have to play the best of the best. Yeah, in, within the East. Well, like it's not it's not a um I'm trying to think of the word. So it's not really it's not unreasonable to think that the Knicks could beat the Hawks and then could really be competitive against the 76ers, and then we're talking about a Knicks-Nets. All right, you got to... Sl- Eastern <laughs> Conference? Can you believe that? Eastern yeah. Conference Finals. I'm not saying the Knicks would beat the Nets. The Nets the Nets would probably roll over the Knicks in five, and I'm, I'm even Knicks, being too Knicks, generous with that, with five. If the Knicks, I think, could go to six with the Sixers, then I'd be... I'd be I don't know. The Sixers I, are very good, Quinn. Like... They're they're good, but like I just think that the Knicks would match up a little better with the Sixers than the Nets. I oh, really do. I no, hundred percent. But I think at the end of the day, I think the Sixers would just kind of power their way through. Like, yeah, Joel Embiid would be tough. It would be, and it would. The Knicks would definitely put up, like I said, a good series. But I think Sixers too strong this year. I don't know. They. I don't know. You have Ben Simmons in the playoffs against those tough defenses like the Knicks. Like, I feel like Ben Simmons, like. You have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You got like two of the same player, pretty much. Just guys that just make their living in the paint. And once you like the Knicks can clog the paint. The Knicks can just stuff guys down in the paint. And Tom Thibodeau knows how to defend that. I feel like you're not giving the Knicks enough credit for what they would do I, in the seventy against the Seventy Sixers. I really do. I mean, Joel Embiid <coughs> probably finished second in the MVP voting. You look at Tobias Harris. The Sixers team has a lot of sharpshooters compared to what they've had in the past. Furkan Korkmaz has been really good. Korkmaz Seth is Kurt, awful. Don't give me Korkmaz. He can literally shoot. That's all he's there to Don't do. Don't give me Korkmaz. Seth Kurt, no, I think you're, you're not giving the Sixers enough credit. They're 47 to 21 for a reason. I'm giving them plenty of credit. I'm they, giving them plenty of credit. I, no, I, I don't see the Knicks getting Korkmaz by the Sixers. Korkmaz is awful. But. I'll give you Steph Kurt, or Seth Curry, whatever. Uh, he, he's fine. Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. That's it. I'm, I, and I don't even count Tobias Harris either because he always struggles in the playoffs too. So he's terrible. All right, well, we'll see what happens. We, I, I, let's let's lock be, up the four first. And... Well, I will be on record as saying that if the Knicks do end up 
getting to the second round, which would, would be the semifinals, the Eastern Conference semis, if they do get to the semifinals against the 76ers, the Knicks will win. All right. I will be on record as saying I'll, I'll that. I'll hold you to it. The Knicks will beat the 76ers if they get to the semifinals in the Eastern Conference. That's if they beat the Hawks, and if that's that's if the 76ers do their job against whoever the eighth seed's going to be in the East. But um, that is going to do it for the second segment. Do you have any other... Uh, you know, last comments about the NBA. I mean, we're getting down to it. Playoffs coming up. No, not much left to say. I think we covered we covered as much as we could. Yeah, going to be did. an exciting couple of weeks within the NBA. NBA playoffs are a lot of fun. All righty. So we're going to take a quick break on this Mother's Day. Uh, 9.38 here on VIC Radio, undercovered with Emily Adams and Alora Lagarde. We'll come your way at 10. But until then, uh, we will be talking about some NFL and then whatever else comes to our minds. So stay right with us. We'll be right back. We're no strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other specialty show. Nothing but love, Tuesdays, 11 to midnight. For all your ushy-gushy warm feelings, tune in. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Missed that last song? Want to check out our music blog? Well, then log on to www.vicradio.org. See our daily schedule, take a look at our wide selection of specialty programming, and learn more about our annual 50-hour marathon. That's vicradio.org, your online home for the best of what's next. It's important to make sure your family has a plan in case of an emergency. We talked to this family to see if each of them knew where to meet if they were not together when something happened. If a natural disaster happened and we were outside the home, we would all meet at the park. That's our meeting point. I'm meeting place at our neighbor's house because she is my mom's good friend. We all have a meeting spot, which is a bus stop. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to ready.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. Do you like listening to your favorite songs? Well, on We Got It Covered, you'll hear them, just not the originals. From pop to country to classic rock to musical theater and more, there's something for everybody to love. And we guarantee you'll be surprised to hear which of your favorite songs isn't actually an original. Tune in to We Got It Covered on Thursdays, 10 to midnight, right here on BIC. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Come on, everybody looking for a dance floor to run on. Okay, payoff pitch. Quentin Pelzer, Luke Bogoni with you on a Mother's Day. Got about 20 minutes to go here on the radio show. And we just talked about some MLB, talked about some NBA. Now it's on to the NFL. Yes, sir. The NFL draft was now, let's see, when was it? Last week? So it was last week, and we really haven't been able to really talk about it that much. Um, 
it was pretty interesting. Uh, we actually haven't been able to talk about it on air, right? So like, no. yeah, we haven't. So this is the first time that we're going to be talking about it. We're going to break it down. Um, I was very happy with the way that the Jets ended up picking. Uh, they got Zach Wilson, quarterback, first round, uh, second overall pick, and then they traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker who uh, was high on a lot of people's draft boards. He was the number one interior offensive lineman in the draft. Jets end up with him. And I got to say, I was very happy with at least the first round of the NFL draft for the Jets. I was incredibly happy. when you know, I've seen a lot of people actually criticize the Jets for giving up those two third-round picks to move up the nine spots with the Vikings. And to them, I say, why? Why are you so upset? If, if this ends up, if Elijah Vera Tucker ends up being the player that many think he will become, and who cares about those leftover third round picks? I like if you're hitting if you're hitting on an elite player in the first round, someone that becomes a stud for you, then people won't remember those third round picks as much as they're being talked about right now. Yeah, I'll put it this way. If Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker are your two stalwarts there on the left side of the offensive line for the next ten years, it was worth it and then some. Like they absolutely fleeced the Vikings then if they traded up. Uh those two third round picks, whatever. Like the Jets have picks on picks on picks on picks for the next, like, two or three years. So mm-hmm. at some point, they are going to need to trade those picks because they're not going to be able to keep all the guys that they pick. Mm-hmm. So they need to trade them at some point. And if they identify a player that is going to be elite or that they are really high on and he's there, just get him. Go get him. And they did. They're now protecting Zach Wilson. And uh, we saw yesterday that it was one of the first couple practices for rookie minicamp. And we got to see Zach Wilson in uniform. I guess he's wearing number two now. But it was just good to see Zach Wilson out there playing a little toss and catch with a bunch of other rookies and just being out on the practice field. It just gives mm-hmm. me some hope for oh, this yeah. season. It, that's always going to get NFL fans excited. But, you know, when it's the new starting quarterback with wide receivers and, you know, a new head coach as well, it's very, very exciting to see. And him, him throwing a simple slant pass to Elijah Moore just gets you excited. Do you like, think Zach Wilson is going to start opening um, week for yeah, the Jets. I, I know there's talks that they're going to sign a veteran quarterback, and Wilson. I think Wilson said he has to earn the starting job, which I love the mindset. But I think this this Jets team is going to. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I think he says that, but like deep down, I think he knows that he's going to he's going to probably be the yeah, starting quarterback. I mean, who who is there to sign right uh, now? That could seriously. I think the name out there that a lot of people are talking about is Nick Foles. Yeah, so that's the perfect backup for a guy like him. I think so, right. too. I think Nick Foles is a great addition if they do end up going that way. Um, yeah, he has that connection to Joe Douglas back with Philly. Yeah, I, they and, won a Super Bowl together. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think you said that he was going to start opening week. If the Jets see that like he's not ready, like I don't think that the Jets should just throw him right in there if he's not ready. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, but I... I think definitely by, like, the fourth or fifth game, he should definitely be in there, 100%. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not in any rush to just put him in there, like, right away. Um, I might be in the minority on that. I think a lot of Jets fans might just say, you know what? They probably just want to see him. Just throw him in there. Let's see how he does. The only other – and if you think about it, like, there really isn't any quarterbacks recently who have, like, had that kind of gap year. Um, and the only exception to that is Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, and he's with his top three situation in the NFL. Oh, he was, he was in a great so. situation, already made team, had Alex Smith, who uh, was pretty darn good as well. But, I mean, if you think about it, quarterbacks drafted in the first round, they play right away. And uh, it would definitely be a little weird not seeing Zach Wilson out there first week of the season. But 
I was really happy with who the Jets got, Zach Wilson, and I know you're a Cowboy fan. They ended up getting Micah Parsons, who a lot of people didn't even think was going to be there. Yeah, so Cowboys were going to go corner at 10, regardless if they said Parsons was our guy, blah, blah, blah. They were definitely going to go corner with either J.C. Horner or Pat Sertain. And then the Panthers surprise everyone and take a cornerback at 8. And I thought Denver would not take a cornerback, knowing even though Vic Fangio, his time in Chicago, loved having these really good cover corners. That's what his defense was built upon. So seeing them take Pat Sertain, I guess I didn't expect it, but it wasn't surprising considering Vic Fangio is still their head coach, big defensive guy. And not taking Justin Fields, I think, was the more surprising part to me. I thought they would address that quarterback position because Drew Locke has not been very good, and I don't know if they're going to rock with Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see. So the Cowboys sent into panic mode, but Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones actually did the right thing, in my opinion. The Eagles wanted Devontae Smith, the Eagles and Giants. Eagles sitting at 12, Giants at 11, and the Eagles call the Cowboys. The Cowboys make a trade with the Eagles. Eagles yep. jump the Cowboy. Eagles jump the Giants, take Devontae Smith, and the Cowboys move two spots back for a player they would have picked at 10, but they earned another third-round pick out of it. Yeah, no, that's always good. And whenever you can kind of get the same player or the type of player that you wanted and end up getting a draft pick on top of that, uh, it's always a win for the GM. But, yeah, you just talked about it. And the pick um, that was in between that was Justin Fields. So Justin Fields going to the Bears, the Giants trading back, Mm -hmm. and uh, the Giants picking up an extra first-round pick. That could be a top five or top ten pick if Justin Fields. And uh, the Bears are. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of people were stunned that the Bears went out and got Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is pretty intriguing because he can be that guy that – you know, he showed signs of being pretty good in college, uh, playing against Clemson. And, uh, you know, I think that he's the guy that, if he ends up being good, I think, I mean, it's going to be on the Jets. It's going to be on whoever took a quarterback ahead of uh, the Bears because Justin Fields does have the potential to be really good. Um, I didn't actually think he was going to be that good, and I was happy that Jets didn't get him. But uh, him with the Bears, I don't know. I mean, could be, could be. I'm excited for the Bears. I'm excited for Bears fans because this is, you know, when they picked Mitch, it was a frowned upon pick. I mean, Mitch had played, I think it was 12 games in college and just, I think there was, there was the growing chance around the NFL that he was going to be a bust and obviously it didn't, it worked out that way. He was just a complete bust. Now they get, they've, they've been quarterback torture for the last, since 2017, the last four years. Now you get a new guy, Justin Fields. A lot of question marks on him in the draft. Some people have him ranked just behind Trevor Lawrence, or some people had him behind Trevor Lawrence as the number two quarterback in this class. Some have him as the number five quarterback in this class. So I don't think he'll start right away with Chicago. I think it will be Andy Dalton right off the bat, but we will definitely see Justin Fields at some point this season, like 100%. So if you remember two weeks before the draft, or was it the week before the draft, we were in the studio and we did our picks on... Yes. Who was going to be? When did we do it? So it was was it three, four, five, six, seven? I think it was. Yes, because we did one, two, or one, two. We're going to be Wilson, and then or um, we're going to be Lawrence and Wilson. Wilson. And then after that, we kind of put our picks down and let's go over that. Okay. Oh God. So do you remember who you picked at three? I, did I end up saying Mac? No. I didn't. Did I say Trey? No. I put Fields. Yeah. All right. You uh, took Fields at three, Kyle Pitts four. I think we yeah, both picked yeah. Pitts at four. Did I have Sewell at five. I probably had Sewell at five. You had Sewell at five. I thought that was the better pick. I still think it was the better pick. 
You had Chase at six. Yeah, that. See, I was right in the position, but Chase was gone, so they went Waddle. And then you had Parsons at seven. And the Lions, I had no clue. I had no idea. What they uh, were Lions doing. ended up picking Sewell. He was there, but you know, your and my picks like really aren't that much different. Like I took Mac Jones at three, and Mac Jones ended <laughs> yeah, up going that, fifteen. My 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 picks got thrown off the track once Jamar Chase went five because I had Panay Sewell going five and then I thought Miami was going to go wide receiver at six and then the Lions I think Sewell was number one guy maybe the number one guy on their board because they were very they posted some videos they were very excited to call Panay Sewell the GM was slamming tables he was so excited Wait, who was the the, the line? The, the Lions, Lions GM. Oh, the Lions GM was really happy that oh, okay. Sewell dropped. I was surprised that Sewell did drop because, like, if you look at what happened last year with the Bengals, like, oh yeah, it's it's the, every, Joe, everyone... Joe Burrow needs some support. He <laughs> like, needs he needs some protection, and I, they ended up going with Jamar Chase, who is probably going to be a really good wide receiver, but. If you give me the option between a really good wide receiver or the difference between a really good wide receiver and the difference between a really good offensive lineman, I'm taking the really good offensive lineman exactly. ten times out of ten. You can find these these wide receivers late who end up contributing to your team oh, in yeah. massive ways. Like, For sure. It doesn't have to be this amazing first-round pick. and. Especially when it's, like you said, the situation with the Bengals, their offensive line, it's dreadful. It's awful. And, you know, Joe Burrow apparently, gave, obviously, he gave his approval to draft Jamar Chase. I, I don't know. Like, towards ACL, he's literally running for his life constantly back there. Like, you know what, what, I, you know what I just realized, too? They both played at LSU. So, yeah. I mean, there's that connection, too. And I think Joe, I think I saw a quote. It was like, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow told the front office or said something like, go and get him. Go get Jamar Chase. That's who I want. So, like, I I mean, if he tells you that and you go against his word, then you're causing some rifts possibly within each other, which obviously you don't want just on a second-year quarterback. But, so, like, does Joe, does Joe Burrow have that kind of authority at this no, point I, in his I, career? I, I don't think... think he does, but also if we don't know how adamant he was on Jamar Chase, how much he wanted him. If it was just his opinion, then I think Penny Sewell could have been could have been the option, but if he came in and was like, "I really, really want Jamar Chase," that's my opinion. Do what you want with it. Then maybe the Bengals were a bit influenced. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I just I don't think, think it's, think it's smart. I really don't think it's smart by Burrow to want you know Jamar Chase over a guy who is like you know looked at as one of the best linemen in the draft. Like, mm-hmm. if you can get that guy, I think you go ahead and get him. But Bengals go somewhere different. And another connection that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but not very smart by this team was the Jaguars. So they drafted, obviously, Trevor Lawrence first overall, and then they drafted Travis Etienne, number 25. Yep. I know a lot of hoopla was made when the Giants picked Kadarius Tony, and that was supposedly who the Jaguars were going to pick. Really? And uh, okay. Urban Meyer was really ticked off when uh, Gettleman picked Kadarius Tony uh-huh. at 20. So I actually hated the Travis Etienne pick. I think he's great. Like I yeah, think he's a great player. But for the Jaguars, I don't understand it, considering... You literally defined last season why taking a running back in the first round is not the best idea in today's NFL. Correct. The undrafted rookie free agent James Robinson had over 1,400 total yards. I think he had 10 total touchdowns. He could catch the ball out of the backfield, obviously. Had over 1,000 yards rushing, as I said, 1,400 total yards, so over 300 yards receiving. The guy was he wasn't obviously the best running back in football last year, but he did more than enough. He was the one bright spot in that Jaguars offense last year for a consistent time, and... I didn't. I don't know. I guess, 
I guess, the comfort with Trevor Lawrence. But again, at what point, like, no, I don't understand. Like, no, no. And on top of that, you had Urban Meyer come out and saying that Travis Etienne was going to be used in a more of a third down role. On a first round pick? <laughs> yes. You were the first, you went 1 in 15. Like, and it wasn't just the quarterback issues. Like, your defense was awful as well. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why your team is drafting first overall. You mean, it's not because of the running back. I tell you that. Yeah, that is the last reason why. Back. Yeah, I like. That is the last reason why your team is uh, first overall. I mean, you you show appreciation for your undrafted running back coming out in training camp, showing out James Robinson by drafting another running back in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's just that's brutal. Uh, we have about five minutes left to go in the show here. Last show of the semester. Um, did you see what happened with Adam Schefter and yeah. Aaron Rodgers over the over the draft? I know we didn't talk about it, um, but in case you guys don't know, Aaron Rodgers um, is unhappy in Green Bay, and he might be traded, might not be, might come back, might go host Jeopardy. Who knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do? Um, but Adam Schefter refloating the story on draft day, um, kind of fooling everybody. Mm-hmm. So, like, he released information that... We pretty much already knew about, and uh, you know he didn't tell us that this is already like out there, and we already know this. He didn't tell us that this wasn't new information. Like he reported this as this was new information, and Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded, mm-hmm. which it was kind of weird when it first came out. Too, I was kind of like, why is this coming out now, like yeah. right on draft day? But it was because Adam Schefter literally just wanted to steal the spotlight from the NFL, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he uh, took it off for himself. It was. It was wild. Yeah, it dropped right. It literally dropped right before, right before the draft. And the Broncos were picking at nine. And as I'm, I'm heading into soccer practice actually as the draft starting, and I'm seeing Broncos could be trading. Broncos seemed like the favorite for Rogers around Broncos, Broncos. So I thought it was going to come out of practice. Aaron Rodgers was going to be a Bronco, and all of a sudden the whole NFL was taking a turn. But he still remains a Packer. Yeah. And things are not good right now. Base. I, you know, when I first saw the rumor, I was like, we see these rumors all the time. You know, like. How much does it smoke? Rodgers, I thought, you know, had the MVP, won the MVP this year. Seems like it was fine all season long. And then you see this, and then you see Rappaport talking about it, and you see other NFL outlets confirming it, and he's really ticked off with the Packers. And I don't know. both are. I think both are kind of at a standstill right now. I mean, I would be kind of ticked off, too, if I was Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, like, of course. You trade up, and you draft Jordan Love last year. I mean, the stat that, the stat that got me was in through 10 years as Rodgers is the starter, I think it was, or 10 first-round picks. Uh, yeah, 10, fir- 10 years Rodgers started through 10 first-round picks. They drafted nine defensive players and one offensive. And that one offensive was Jordan Love. Jordan Love, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, that tells it all. But, like, realistically, it's really the defense that has played Aaron Rodgers in the past. Like, it oh, yeah. really hasn't been the lack of talent. Like, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, like he's got guys there, but yeah, like, I, I don't think it's I don't think he's upset at the weapons at this point because he I mean Devontae Adams is a complete stud and then other guys step up. Yeah. But I think the Jordan Love thing really really uh, yeah. pissed him off. Uh yeah, I definitely see where Aaron Rodgers is coming from there, but where would be the most realistic place that Aaron Rodgers gets traded to? Uh if he was gonna get traded, I kinda like the idea. I did hear this, I did not come up with this. Aaron Rodgers to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson. Wow, that's wouldn't that be like a huge blockbuster? Oh, that'd be one of the biggest NFL trades of all time. Yeah. But maybe the biggest. That's two top five quarterbacks, studs. Exactly. Like, Both are known to really like. I don't know if 
Russell Wilson really hates where he is, but Aaron Rodgers definitely hates where he is. And, and Russ, Russ gets sacked more than anyone in the NFL. But he, Russell they, also uh, has been known to like come out and say like he doesn't like the way he's used in the offense. Mm-hmm. So like that could make sense potentially, right? Am mm-hmm. I just am no, I totally? That, that'd be that'd be that'd be pretty wild. I, I don't think we'll see that happen, but that would be that'd be wild. Like. Cause it's definitely the, realistic, though. The, like, it could happen, or do you, you're not even giving it any credence I, at all? I don't... Once those big names... Once those kind of names are involved, I don't know. I just don't see... I don't see the Seahawks training Russell Wilson to begin with. You I, don't, said, I, I don't think they're in that kind of... They're not in the Rodgers situation right now yeah. where it's nearly as hostile. I have actually... We haven't heard anything with Russ for quite some time. Yeah, so, that's true. No, the Rodgers landing spot... I think Denver would... That's be cliche. I think Denver would be a really good one. Their defense... Was decent last year. I think I draft Pats retained. They're going to up it a little bit. And Rodgers can play in that cold weather environment, played in Green Bay his entire life. The only tough part about that is you're going in what could be the best division in football, possibly, with Mahomes, Justin Herbert now taking another yeah. step forward. And then if Rodgers goes there, that makes Denver with Rodgers a threat. Though they have the Raiders. And the, Ra- and the Raiders, too, aren't right? even, Raiders aren't even that bad. Like, the Raiders aren't bad, yeah. I mean, they had a terrible draft, but I mean, they're not that bad. <laughs> Uh, we got about a minute left, a little less than a minute. Um, so this is the last show of the semester. Um, but, I mean, it's not going to be the last show ever. Um, it's just going to be the last show of the semester. Hopefully we'll be back next year. I mean, it could be the last show ever. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, but, you know, I'm not really much of a big pomp and circumstance guy. But, Luke, do you have do you have any other last words, last comments about what happened, about the show, about anything? Not much left to say. Definitely a unique semester in terms of IC radio hosting sports shows. I think this is my third or fourth show that I've been on total. And first time I've had to do it on and off with the remote. But, yeah, a lot of fun this semester. A lot of fun doing it with you, Q. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. And uh, hopefully we will be back in the fall. Until then, have a terrific summer. Do well on your finals. And, uh, well, and I think we're all walking, too, for graduation. So uh, I'll see you there. And until then, happy Mother's Day.